Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. We are celebrating here out under the stars. OU wins big, 59-20 to 20 over West Virginia, getting us back into the hunt for a Big 12 title, along with some help that we got today and maybe some more help down the road, hopefully. I'm Steve. Lucas. Jay. Connor. And as always, the post-game pod is brought to us by Tobacco Exchange, three great locations throughout the metro area, Edmond, Moore, and Oklahoma City. Great selection, great staff. They have an event coming up this week. We got uh, Liga Pravada cigars to celebrate. Tell us about the event, Lucas. Uh, the event is going to be at the Edmond Tobacco Exchange on November 17th from 5 to 8. Uh, they're going to have Drew Estates Liga Pravada there, and they'll have specials like uh, buy five cigars, you get a a free cigar and a T52 cigar rest, which is kind of like where you set it down on the table and you put your cigar on it. Um, then they also have other deals, uh, box purchases, multiple box purchases. They've got all kinds of goodies there for the Liga Provada event at uh, the Edmund Tobacco Exchange. So a great event. We're going to try to be there. We're going to make an appearance. Come on out. Come to Tobacco Exchange. Tell them we sent you. So, guys, we won. We won big. We won bigger than most people thought we were going to win, that's for sure. Um, really a dominating performance. Well, I, for one, was just pretty surprised, pleasantly surprised by what we saw out on the field. And I would say that what a world of uh, difference it makes when you have a well-executed offense that's playing with conviction. And one of the things I noticed early in the game and really, it was in the middle of the second quarter. At that point, no throws behind the line of scrimmage. And I don't know if we technically had one the entire game. Everything looked down the field. They were looking down the field, even for the dump-off, check-off routes. That was production. Um, running game was productive. Looking down the field for deep throws that were there. Um, it, it, it really was impressive. In fact, I would say productive downfield offense was the cure for the time of possession threat that West Virginia posed and they had the they were dominating time of possession for most of the game really up and through the fourth quarter or up until the fourth quarter uh, when we were able to stall out on time with just some trying to run the clock out on the game so uh, it doesn't matter if somebody's going to have time of possession advantage over you if you are scoring points and you're being productive and you're a threat and your defense can rest we had a couple series of that weren't real complimentary football, but for the most part, really complimentary football. What did you guys think? What was your takeaways? I was pretty excited to watch the uh, kind of the growth of Gavin Sawchuk tonight. He, for one, he looks healthy. And two, he was a much more patient runner. And he was, he was letting the holes develop before he kind of hit them. And I'll give props, too, to the, the young guys on the offensive line. Guyton was out tonight at right tackle. And Sexton... Uh, filled in I think he did really well there was one play where he got beat pretty bad but it seemed like for the most most of the time he did really well and so the future bodes well with having a young Caden Green at left guard and Sexton being able to fill in at a tackle position so for me uh, I think it all starts there being able to run the ball and push the ball down the field even you want completions obviously but even just just forcing the ball down the field mm -hmm. so that the safeties aren't constantly up in the box. I think it changes everything. Yeah, I was noticing that Sawchuck was getting to that second level very very determinedly. Um, he was breaking tackles. He was running. Something that I've looked for and talked about a lot was 
run through that first tackle and just try to beat that guy to get to the next level. If he happens to get you, he happens to get you. And it, it didn't happen to, tonight where he'd get stopped and he was getting to the second point of contact. He had, just to put the stats on it, uh, 22 carries for 135 yards, 6.1 yards per carry. Jay, you mentioned during the game, it's amazing what happens when you give one back the majority of the carries and let him get into a rhythm. And he got into a rhythm and was successful. Yeah, that's what we've kind of all been preaching for this entire season. It's just been so jumbled on the running back rotation. And maybe early on it had to do with Sawchuck and Barnes not being that healthy. Or, I don't know, maybe the coach is just trying to find a hot hand before they stuck with somebody. But, yeah, absolutely. you got to let the running back get into a rhythm and get a feel for the game. Get those hits. Get used to them. Like you said, maybe the line, maybe you have to, to read the line or get used to how the line is blocking on this particular night, too. Like yeah. Maybe it's a little bit slower developing tonight, or maybe I need to hit them quicker. or Which is going to also be dependent on the defense you're facing yeah. and how they attack. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, I mean, I, it, was, it was impressive. I think the as impressive as it was, it, it's a little frustrating that it took – yeah, a couple of losses and uh, potentially <clears throat> us getting out of contention for a playoff spot to see an offensive performance like we saw tonight. So I don't know. I uh, I love see. I mean, Gabriel looked good. Like he looked, like you said, Steve. If throwing the ball vertically down the field, it makes all the difference in the world, right? Um, Jay, like you said, getting a running back in rhythm and performing to the, the caliber that we're used to at Oklahoma makes all the difference as well. So um, I'm bummed out. I think this is something we could have seen <clears throat> earlier in the season, even in some of the wins that we had. You know, you bring this offense into Texas, I don't even know if that game's much of a factor at that point. Uh-huh. Um, of course, the last two weeks, you bring this offensive performance in, and we're looking at a top-four spot. And, and playing for everything right now. Well, some so. some things that we lacked in the last couple of games that we had in this game was Dylan Gabriel running the football. Yep. He, he ran the ball very effectively tonight, and we didn't really even see him attempt runs in the last two ball games. Yep. And that was uh, especially against Oklahoma State. So that was a shortcoming, not having any significant deep, you know, vertical threat of any – and vertical, I mean – 10 yards down the field against Kansas. Yeah, intermediate balls a lot. Yeah. And it reminds me so much of Florida State where it's like, all right, you know, not that the season's over, there's not anything to play for, there is, but the pressure's off. You're not trying to go win a win a playoff game at this point. You're not trying to get into the playoff. You have your own pride on the line at this point as opposed to a lot of other things. Hmm. We weren't trying can, to have a winning you record. Can try to, you can kind of go and cut loose, so... Well, I, you know, Not I would true. take that as a concern that I've always voiced about Levy in particular, that he's, and Dylan Gabriel to some extent, they only seem to perform really well when they have nothing to lose and once the pressure's off. Um, that's really what the story was perversely at Texas when we go down right at the end because the mindset is you've, you've lost the game. All you can do is win at this point. And last year, when we're in the, the bowl game against Florida State, you're, again, there's no pressure. No one's expecting you to win, and you're not playing for anything down the road. So is that the, the case right now, that Levy only opens up the game plan and 
and has a full approach to it when there's really nothing to lose. So it's that kind of conservativeness that I think has has haunted him and, and his brief so far career at Oklahoma, and it's a concern I've got going forward. On the Dylan Gabriel running thing, they actually let him run zone read a few times today as opposed to just the handoffs, and he kept it. And when the defensive end crashed, he had huge openings to mm-hmm. run. And I can remember at least two specific ones that really gained a bunch of yardage for him on the keepers. And I don't think they've really allowed him to do that in the past much. It's just been called running plays, essentially, right. or an RPO mm-hmm. instead of an actual zone read situation. Right. And then Austin Stogner today, um, having a tight end that sucks up the safeties opens up the wide receivers on vertical routes because you've got uh, safety coming down um, and you're able – Nick Anderson had a catch today because Stogner was in the middle of the field and they were worried about it. They, we missed one right down the seam that was just a bad throw by Gabriel. He let him too much on it that could have gone for 50 if nobody tackles him from behind. Um, but he had four catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. And it seems like today maybe they just saw something West Virginia – personally them they do but it seemed to unlock the offense in the second and third quarter especially when there was a threat of the wide receiver catching the ball and mm-hmm. also you weren't having to hold him in the block which he's been prone to miss a yep. lot this season yep and so it using him in the passing game to me really expanded this offense yeah I think that's a great point um what a difference it makes when you're getting success out of guys and it doesn't have to be such terrific success like we saw I want to mention Stoops who was 10 catches for 164 yards and three touchdowns including holding on to the ball in what was probably a poor decision either on throwing it or the play call the play route itself hanging your receiver out to dry but he he catches the ball for the touchdown gets completely drilled by the West Virginia guy they reviewed it for targeting came back said it wasn't targeting I think that was a correct call Probably uh, it was close. It was a hard hit, but it, it was a hard it wasn't hit. Neck area. Yeah, and should have been unsportsmanlike. It should have been unsportsmanlike for standing stand over him and all of that. And and I did, com- I, I commend Gabriel for standing up for his guy to to go. He was the one who threw the the first shove to get guys off and, and away from Stoops. He was obviously very injured. Um, either that or it was a heck of a fake job. He's laying down almost look presumably unconscious or very shaken up had trouble getting off the field after that. So um, that, got the that wind was knocked out of him. Yeah, maybe was. that was all it was. Yeah. But it, regardless, the guy is in bad shape and that you shouldn't be standing over him doing that. But uh, great effort by Stoops. Great job. It's great to see so many key players doing really well. But it's not surprising when they do well that other players can do well. It, success can breed success that way. Um, we seem to be a team where success breeds success or failure breeds failure. Uh, game in and game out, when we've had successful situations, it sort of compounds and the momentum starts building. And then all of a sudden when we don't have it, we can't overcome the, the, the difficulty. So that, that's something that sort of has plagued us, but also been to our advantage when we have had success this season. It's good to see us back on that track. We have to talk about the defense, too. The defense played really well. The defense got us the ball back, got off the field, playing against a, a team that is, again, we mentioned, known for their time of possession dominance, known for their running game. We shut it down when we needed to. Um, 
key turnovers and key positions early in the game that were real difference makers. We had a fourth down stop that was a dropped interception. Obviously, the goal line stand was sensational. I really thought on that very first one, the quarterback was in for the touchdown. Yeah, same. On the first down. On the first down. Yeah. And then they reviewed it and said he wasn't. Um, and then after that, to get the stop was just phenomenally good. It was disappointing to see us stall out after the big plays. And part of that was, I don't understand what they were doing. I guess if it succeeds with those passing plays that, that were dropped and getting us into a difficult third down, but it stopped the clock and allowed West Virginia to get the ball back the way they did and go down and get a field goal. Now, they did get it with the help of some questionable officiating. But otherwise, the defense, um, I think, played really well. Gentry Williams wasn't in. They seemed to be picking on Walker and, and that side a little bit. But we were fairly effective over there. Um, I thought that Kip Lewis played really good early on. It was good to see him get the start. We, I don't think we ever looked to see it officially, but Canick came in not until the second half, basically. And did he play the entire or most of the second half? So that was interesting. Uh, he wasn't as effective in coverage, kind of the same thing that's Yeah, there was one the time where he dropped back into, into zone coverage and he was maybe one step off or he would have had a He ball. almost got a hand on the ball. Yeah. 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 Just wasn't, it wasn't deep enough. Something he'll learn, hopefully, going forward. But Kip Lewis, good. Good to see Stutzman back, obviously. That was real helpful. Uh, early on, we were a little concerned because we weren't getting pressure on the quarterback, and then we started to really get good pressure on the quarterback, dialed up a couple of blitzes that were very effective in the third quarter. Um, that I still don't think we got a sack, right? Mm, yeah, on that one. Uh, no, he squirted out. It looked like we were going to sack him. You're right, he... and the others were contact during a pass, and he passed the ball. So I think, that's, I think that's three games in a row now with no sacks. Yeah, but good hurries at least, but yeah. you're right. Yeah, no sacks. But better pressure than we saw in the, in the prior week for sure. So, again, just like on offense, defense is getting some success and it's building on other successes. Kind of uh, uh, when it's working, it's working across the board. So that was good to see. Other thoughts or comments on defense? The goal line stand situation, even when it's not on the goal line, um, if it's third and three in the middle of the field and we stop them, and we, obviously the thing in college football now is to go for it on fourth down all the time, and we, we stop them in the middle of the field too. It's great to see, you know, we used to not be able to get off the field on a third and 18, but now if it's third and three, we feel really good yeah. that we're going to stop them two consecutive downs. Yeah, yeah. And that, that gives a ton of confidence to the whole team when they know, and we did it at Oklahoma State, you know. They had a run there where they had two punts, three turnover on downs, and and two turnovers. And it's, you know, during a big middle of the game stretch, and it's nice that the defense has confidence no matter who's out there. You can have – you know, your second string corners out there and uh, replacement safety, and you're still getting these stops that are come up, coming up in huge spots that get your offense the ball back. Yeah, I think us and obviously most of the listeners remember how difficult it was for us to get off the field yeah. at all. Third and 12s. Just, yeah, you just knew just, you were giving it yeah. up. And our red zone defense, I mean, we're, we still give up a decent amount of yards as a team. Um, so if you just look at those s statistics defensively, we're not great. 
but our red zone defense is pretty solid and um, yeah obviously we're improved on points per game and the things that actually matter statistically yeah I think that's a good point because and that's also somewhat the league we play in so if we played in the Big Ten we would probably expect that we were better in some of those statistical categories just because of the offenses we'd be going against but we know these offenses are going to have success with with uh, yardage at least between the 20s for sure so some of that's been don't break and that can be overplayed but I think we do a very effective job with it I know that um, with in the past we talk about third and 12 third and 18 that would get picked up and those were painful but what was really painful was knowing if you were in third and two they were going to get the first down if you somehow got to fourth and two they were going to get the first down there was no doubt about it. Like, you're not going to stop them. Yeah. Um, so to see us have those abilities to make consistent stops is just really wonderful. It definitely has taken us to the next level in terms of what uh, production we can have defensively. It opens up everything for the rest of the team. Yeah, and we're still not healthy defensively either. No, um, not there Across yet. the board. I, we don't know what's up with Gentry. Um, but our defense is significantly different when he is in the game. McCullough didn't play at all tonight, and I don't think any of us heard it's precautionary. anything through the week, do we? Yeah, no, but Venables came out and said it's precautionary at the, after, okay. after the game. And um, Bowen is going on the field, but not just a ton. I still think he's not 100%. Yeah. Uh, Stutz looked good, but he wasn't 100%. You could see that tonight. He was he didn't quite have the same explosiveness yeah, the same as usual. Yeah. But... Having him back out there as a leader and getting people in the right, right positions and stuff mm-hmm. certainly was an improvement. You have to expect next week against BYU, he's going to make big strides to be back to close to the 100%, if not there, midweek. So talk a little bit about Dylan Gabriel, uh, both pro- positives and negatives, and this is also relates to the offense in general. So uh, wonderful performance by him in terms of just winning the game and the overall production. He sets a school record for eight touchdowns um, in terms of being in on eight touchdowns, passing and running. Beat uh, the great Baker Mayfield's uh, seven against Texas Tech, which was sort of a, a strange, just um, out of nowhere sets a record. It just didn't seem like that kind of a deal. But, you know, when he was keeping the ball and, and very effectively running in for touchdowns from I don't remember it seemed like one was like a 15 yard or one was about an 8 yard or he something. Like two 2 yard rushes I think. Was it just two? It was pretty there short. Were, there were so yeah I guess it's yeah, three true, rushing touchdowns. But, but three was, rushing it touchdowns. It was interesting because uh, you wonder as a running back if that's even com- crosses your mind that you don't care whatsoever or if it does irritate you that mm-hmm. no running back scored tonight. Yeah. Cuz your quarterback took all the no, I think you Don't want worry, the victory. But you probably just want the I victory. think you just want the yeah. victory. Now, there should be there could be reasons running backs are, are concerned and, and frustrated. We can get to that. But I think they're happy with a win, especially a decisive win like this, knowing what we're trying to still play for. So with that said about the positives with Dylan, I'll give some criticism and I don't know how much of this is Dylan, how much of this is Levy, but it is a little bit of a concern well, it's an ongoing problem. He throws the ball late. Um, one of the touchdown passes, uh, was it to Gibson? Gibson was was yeah. very he was very just, late delivery. Waiting, waiting for the, ball. the guy didn't yep. get to the ball first. Yeah. Um, another to, to Stoops was a perfectly thrown ball. 
we, we, he had several across the middle of the field that were low and behind. Um, yeah, receivers made some great catches on their Receivers did some great stuff. Um, and so my criticism, though, that is a little more concerning would be we, we see, again, a matchup where Gibson's lining up against a guy who is, I don't know, nine inches shorter than him. <laughs> and we don't pick on that route. We don't even look to that. Yeah, he looked like he was a 5'8 stubby corner. It, it just like there's no way he's going to be able to beat him, and we don't just abuse that. We don't even go at it. We don't seem to even look at it. Um, we didn't. We're not stretching vertical for I, what I think would be some opportunities just to, to run deep and sprint. But again, Dylan Gabriel doesn't throw that ball very well. Um, there were several high balls that that could be criticized. But one of the things that bugs me is that as great as Stoops is, he can't possibly be our most lethal receiver. And maybe he has gotten to the point where he is getting the third, fourth best defender, and so it's a big opportunity against him that way, and or for him that way. And so you're throwing to him because he is such a better athlete than, and football player than the, his opponent versus what the other guys are facing. But it just seems odd to me that we're not sh- spreading the ball around more. I don't see Dylan really even looking for those options. And... Why is Petaway again not in the game? Yeah. He's just not seeing the field. That's very frustrating. I mean, at this point, you would think Petaway would get on the field before um, Freeman. Yep. Freeman just hasn't shown it Mm-mm. as a wide receiver. And he did throw it, Freeman. So it's like he likes that position. Or again, maybe mm-hmm. Lebby is emphasizing we like that that matchup tonight because presumably whoever's lining up against Stoops is lining up against Freeman. But it's just weird. Yeah, Stoops does it week in and week out. He's just a savvy veteran at route running, you know, and he, he gets open. Yeah, and he, and he, he catches great the ball. Hands, he catches the ball. Um, it's not going to wow you athletically, but nope. Uh, as He's long our as you Steve get that Largent. separation, you're going to come down with the ball. Mm-hmm. What else are you going to do? Throw it to him. Yeah. yeah, there was a play on a, I want to say it was third and three or five, somewhere in that range, and they threw a slant route <clears throat> to Drake, and he caught it and got the first down by a couple yards. And the whole time I was thinking, damn, why didn't you run that play against OSU? Because it was, it was kind of the play that we thought we might see, and they ran that terrible one that didn't even get to the sticks. But he literally cut inside and jumped up in the air and simultaneously boxed his guy out and made the catch to get the mm-hmm. first down. And – you just wonder, hey, you know, that might continue that drive against OSU, and we may be sitting here talking about being nine and one or whatever right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's frustrating. That's always the case when you when you lose one or two games the way we have. That it doesn't take much to have won those games, and then when you see a performance like tonight, it's like, God, where was yeah. that? Wait, what are we doing? And what are we, we doing? And then we watch OSU OSU lose forty five to just three. Just get destroyed. destroyed. Yeah, they, they couldn't do anything. The worst loss for a top 20 team against an unranked team since the Sooners beat Texas A&M 51-6 back in 1999. Yep. So um, just just really frustrating. And, then, and obviously we saw Tech <clears throat> beat Kansas tonight or today. And so there's another one where you're looking at a team that we absolutely should have beaten and, and we didn't. But that that's just one thing you have to do and you've got you've always got to – be out there trying to um, overcome the difficulties that come in game in and game out, and we just weren't able to do it at that point. So, and Lebby called probably his best game outside of, I mean, Tulsa probably. 
Um, <clears throat> they were better still, given the defense. There were still weird spots, like they lined Farouk up at running back again. Um, why? <laughs> Everything else was working. Just insisting they, on doing they that. They lined him up at running back, and it was a pitch play, Yeah, which we've been talking about. Somebody needs to get outside. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's a running back's job yeah. is pitch the ball to the running back. Yeah. And yet, in the middle of the game, where he's trotting Farouk out there. And did we go to Farouk? I was no, I think it was two plays in a row. Yeah, they did that play, and then they threw him the ball. And, yeah, and he, and he's and great. He, and yeah, great catch. And then I think the play after was the Gibson touchdown. Maybe I think it was that sequence there. Maybe if I remember right. Yeah, that seems right. Um, that seems right. But it, it's just so the play calling was so good today. That not perfect, but very not good. perfect. But they ran a jet sweep very effectively. Uh, one one one, one time and it was for six yards. What I liked about it, it was done at speed and it was done with forward momentum. Yeah. And I don't know, it just seems like it was completely different than when we've lined up and tried that in the past. Every other time we do it, we're shifting guys over there and running it like it's some kind of power sweep move or something. Mm-hmm. That was like just a movement in space, and you're going to depend on the space and the speed. To get you yardage, and it was very effective. Um, so, yeah, Levy coached a much better game tonight. Um, we'll it, see. It did suck. We settled for a field goal on the one drive when Anderson caught one. I mean, it was a long ball, and he ended up getting, yeah. he not got tackled at the five. Yeah, and then and we, we still settled. And for we a settled for goal. a field goal, but on that one, Gabriel threw behind Farouk on the third down. That would have been a touchdown if it was just a better throw. Yeah. And we settled for I think for a that touchdown. sequence was um Sawchuck run. A, I no, think. it was a it was a quarterback run for for nothing. And then two pass plays. Yeah. One of them I think went over Stoops' head. And then the next one was behind yeah. Gabriel. Or was behind uh Farouk in the end zone. Yeah. And we settled for a field yeah. goal. But you'll yeah. never complain about scoring fifty nine points. Sure. But you do you it was frustrating to get that deep into the red zone and, and settle. For uh, for a field goal, the game was sure. still in doubt. At it was point. in doubt, and, that, yeah. and that's where it was really frustrating. Is right. that would have been a useful touchdown to yeah. help put them away, and actually gave me some concern because it was late. It was that was late first half. Yeah, and right after that, and, and through the you know, we're, we're worried they're getting back into this game. Yeah, and it I thought it was going to actually come down to they're going to get back into this game and truly make it competitive, but they didn't. And again, it's a tribute to offensive production as well as the defense doing their job. In years past, under Lincoln Riley, West Virginia would have been back in this game in the fourth quarter, and, and actually this would have been one of those stereotypical games where they beat us, where the team that we're up by more than two touchdowns and they come back and beat us. It was 31-14 at halftime, and that's after we gave up uh, the, late a, touchdown. A, the late touchdown. In the, yep. in the, they scored the very very first drive, which starting off right I, was down like, the field. I was like uh, this is how it's going to be it's going to be one of those kind of games and then we shut them down all the way until the offense went stagnant on our last drive of the, the half mm-hmm. gave them the ball back and then they went down the field with the Woody Washington penalty was horrible um, they called him for PI I don't understand not even close it wasn't even close and the ball was five yards past him yeah and he didn't it wasn't a holding where uh-huh. he couldn't well the way that where they marked where it, he couldn't get to and it. where he marked it where he threw the flag and picked it up and moved it farther back it would have had to have been holding yeah it couldn't have been pass interference at that well, point the, the ball guy wasn't that, away the guy that called it was in the middle of the field 30 yards downfield mm-hmm. and the ref that was 10, on it 10 feet away didn't call it yeah 
And then when we threw the flag, I thought they were going to call us for maybe holding the tight end over the middle. Right. Because I wasn't watching the tight end over the middle. Right. It was like a seam route, and there was two guys in the area. So when he threw the flag at their feet, I was like, oh, it must have been holding on that, and I just didn't see it. And then he runs over there, picks it up, and then throws it further out to where the pass was five yards overthrown. It was uh-huh. definitely an uncatchable ball. Right. And then gave them the pass interference. Yeah, ridiculous. They got another pass interference in the end zone, which, from my vantage, he who was the defender on that? Uh, Walker. Uh, so Kanai Walker had realized he had gotten beat and grabbed his jersey. I think, was it a tight end? Um... I think it was a tight I'm end. Not sure. I'm not sure. He grabs his jersey and kind of pulls him down as the ball's coming to him. You're and the they, only one who saw they it. They threw that the flag, way. and everybody's texting me saying that was a horrible call. Everyone on TV. The replay says it on wasn't. the TV was from the south east or the southwest corner of the stadium was where the re, the the camera angle that kept showing, which he was you couldn't see. Can I Walker pull his shirt from behind? But in the north end zone, it was clear to me that that he tugged him down and the referee behind him called that. Well, I think he was – see, because to me, he had he's a going down because the ball is down the, the at guy, his feet. The guy he pulled the jersey like he back, was... and he was he was falling back and trying to stick his arms out to catch it. So you think it was a good call? I think that was a correct call, yeah. You, you're the only I, one in the universe. If I was the official on the field, 10 times out of 10, I would have called that. Yeah, but the Woody the Washington, no chance in hell. But that one, yes. Everyone on TV, every, including the announcers, everyone yep. said different, but that's okay. It doesn't have to be. We know there are a such thing as a pass interference on OU. Yeah. We just don't think there's as many as we're getting called. Right. And there were there were several that were very controversial and bad. Gets us into officiating a little bit and, and gives us a chance to talk about made an appearance on uh, Eli Letterman, Letterman Jacket podcast this week. Thanks for uh, having, us, having me on. It was fun to talk about officiating. Um, it would have been... Nice to have had this game because it's, it's, I tried to play it down the middle and give my honest opinion, which is I don't think there's a conspiracy. But every time I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, we see more just ridiculous calls by the officials, which s- start to challenge my generosity in terms of how I'm interpreting things. But I, again, will say I think it's mostly just incompetence. They just are not good at their job. The worst of which today was the Gavin Freeman muff punt where we clearly got shoved from behind into Freeman, which made him lose the ball, and they recovered, which thankfully our defense came on, shut him out, and got the ball back on a – that was a four and out, right? Mm-hmm. Turnover mm-hmm. on downs. It was, yeah. So we essentially got the ball back within five or six Where yards of where the yep. play happened. Um, but that was egregious, not calling. It was ridiculous. Um, the, the shove guy, in the back. The guy had – Full arm extension. Yeah. Shoved. Yeah. How do you not even begin to see that? Because you're looking right at every bit of that. There was also, and I got this in my notes, the first two kickoffs that went out of the end zone, the first two times we kicked off, there was a West Virginia player that was tackling our gunners coming down on the kickoffs. Yeah. And throwing them to the ground. Ava saw and that. Shoving too. them down right in front of the refs. And the ref just went over and kind of broke it up or whatever the first time. And I yeah. was like, well, they need to watch that. And then literally the next kickoff, the same exact thing happened. Yep. And the ball's out of the back of the end zone. Yep. They've blown the whistle. Yep. And BV has a thing where he wants all the players to go down into the end zone before they go to the sideline. Mm-hmm. Which is totally legal. And they, they literally just shoving him to the ground, kind of planting his face in the ground. 
and the refs just run over there and break it up. No mm-hmm. flag either time. Well, after the, all the brouhaha with in the end zone, and 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 then after that on the on the PAT when Matara gets kicked out, which hats off to uh, Harris for President Harris for giving him a fist bump uh, on the way out of How the game. How is that two penalties in one? How game? in the world it was two penalties? I don't know. And Unless the they had told him to calm down, too. threw a slap. So it, they, it's like they were trying to make sure they kicked Matara out for whatever he did. And that was frustrating. And then it was just a couple of plays later, I think it was on the third down. Yes, it was after the third down because everyone's basically exiting. They're going to punt. And we had stopped them. You know, we're going to get a turnover on or you know, we're going to get a punt after holding them. Anyway, there is a little bit of a scuffle. I wouldn't call it a scuffle. At first, it's just regular players that had been in contact at the line. Their player openly fist or hand hands to the face, shoves our guy in the face. Just, it, it, it'd be a punch if he had closed his fist. And the, the ref not only is right there, he sees it and tells the guys just to break up yep. and go away. That is what you always get a flag for. Yep. I didn't understand that at all. So just many, many things where it seems like they don't have control of the game. They don't know what they want to do. It, it is, it's, that's frustrating, the inconsistency in the calls. Um, it all adds up. It I mean, just it does. We add had up. the we had the great run by Sawchuck where he ran down to the, like the two or three yard line. They called it back on a holding and they said number eighty, which there was no number eighty out there. I'm assuming it was Stogner, <laughs> eighty one. No, no, Stogner came off. He got hurt the play before. We did roll out number eighty, which okay. is like our third yeah. string. Oh, third string tight end. Or who, who's our third no, string? Like no, the, it's Daniel. What was his name? Um, okay, he's, that the bas- one, he's the ex basketball player, right? Yeah, that yeah. one was weird to me. But on that one, and I saw them trying to argue it on the sideline, is that holding happened downfield, and not at the line of scrimmage. So it, they should have taken it ten yards from where the holding was, which was probably eight yards down the field. So it should have been a first and 12, mm-hmm. and instead it was a first and 20. Yeah. And that's just poor refereeing because yep. the hold didn't happen last scrimmage. The right. hold happened after Sawchuck had got out, and he was in, in front blocking downfield. Mm-hmm. So somebody needs to explain that to me. Well, and another missed hold was on the first West Virginia touchdown. Stutzman apparently gets just manhandled hold held and everyone that was watching on tv Tugging was blowing up about it yeah um so that was another complete miss just it's just frustrating it's it's really frustrating it continues and that's why the the crowd was chanting sec we're ready to be out of this league we're ready to step up to the next higher quality league and be done with this rinky dink crap it's it's embarrassing and ridiculous uh, and we're better than this they may not be but we're better than this well, we're back in the title hunt, guys. We're um, in good position. So I guess if I'm thinking about this correctly, if Texas loses and we win out, we win our next two games, if Texas loses to either Iowa State or Texas Tech, we are in. If Oklahoma State loses a game, we are in. Uh, again, provided we win uh, the, the two games that we face. So that's pretty good odds. We, we only need one out of four games to go our way and and we're in provided the two other games that we we win obviously that's um a big and you know big enough ask if you will uh what how do you guys feel about that are you you feeling positive you feeling like we are gonna get back into it um how confident are you every time i feel like texas is gonna lose they end up pulling it out so i don't know how much we can lean on them dropping a game um 
Oklahoma State today, I mean, that's the most baffling performance, I think, maybe in the conference that we've seen. It should be worth two losses. It should be. What do they have left? What's their, what's their have, final two? They have uh, Houston and BYU. So Not a lot of challenge there. Yeah. But then again, UCF wasn't a very big challenge. Yeah. I mean, and they I, destroyed them. I want the chance, obviously. I mean, I, I, I hope we get that opportunity. I think after what we saw today, we stand a good chance against anybody in this conference, Texas included. Um, so, I don't know. I, I'm confident. I like how we played today. I hope we carry that. And We can only do what we can do, right? We can mm-hmm. only win the games that we have in front of us. And uh, got to hope one, one falls the other way for us to, to get back in that title. If you had to rank the the chances, uh, night game in Ames next week for Texas is probably our best chance at getting back into it. And then after that, I don't know. I don't know that Tech's going to put up much of a fight other than the pure hatred and the um, commissioner of the. I don't know. You're you're Mark said he's going to do it. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe Dana Holgerson has something over some magic going on. He's Gundy. definitely got some emotional reason to want to beat Oklahoma State if that helps. So it it is never a fun position to be in where you have to root for another team to give you help. Um, and so I'd like to be in control of my own destiny, but we're not. All that said, I like our chances. Those are pretty good chances. Um, we should be pretty strong favorites against BYU and TCU. TCU gave Texas a game tonight, but TCU is not that strong of an opponent. We get them at home. Um, BYU next week out in Provo. I just can't think that that's going to be much of a challenge. But then again, we've lost two games already that shouldn't have been too much of a challenge. Uh, what do you guys think the line will be in the BYU game? Seventeen and a half. Yeah, they're yeah. considerably better at home 15-ish. than they are on the road. But I'd, I'd expect a couple touchdowns. So. Yeah. Stronger than what it was tonight. We covered, you know, for what it's worth, we covered obviously very strongly. Um, but we'll see. We, we've got to win those games, and we've got to get some help. Um, I, I think that, and we talked about this a little bit, if I had to pick between the two not knowing the outcome, I'm going to take Oklahoma State because yeah. we're going to be favored against Oklahoma State, and we – wouldn't be probably favored against Texas, and so that tells you something about your probability of winning. If you could guarantee me the victory, boy, it's tough to say. When am I ever going to say a guaranteed victory over Texas? I wouldn't take it. This might be the one year, I would say, with all the crap we took for for losing that bedlam, I would like to see a rematch and and put Oklahoma State back down into their place. Oh, you mean the all-time bedlam champs, Oklahoma State? Yeah, all-time, the 20-time winner. Because they won the last one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of receipts uh, <laughs> being pulled up for that game. If it's Not to mention it helps when Texas loses just in recruiting, too. Um, yeah. When That's kind of a win-win. If yeah. Texas loses, Texas loses, can't make the championship. It helps us out, yep. And then we beat, win. We get to rematch yeah. Oklahoma State. Well, and their, their fans and everybody else, too, they it's like Big 12 or bust this year for Texas. I yeah. mean, it all was lined up for them to – so it would be extremely disappointing – to not even make the game for Texas fans to, and yeah. the, the whole team and probably even recruits and et cetera to to not make that game. Well, if you look at what they accomplished this season, if you say you don't make your championship game and a team that you beat Alabama 
in Tuscaloosa is going to make their championship game. Yeah. Now they may or may or may not win, but at least they made that game for sure. They locked their position in today. There is a benefit to playing Texas again, and that as opposed to Oklahoma State, and that would be officiating in that game. If we're playing Oklahoma State, you know good and well they're going to be out to screw us again because of the conspiracy that we all know is real. <laughs> but if it's OU in Texas, what can they really do? They're, they either got to call it even or they're, you know, pick one team they or the other. Choose, yeah. yeah. They might kick most of the players out <laughs> so that they the, can't play the ball all, game. <laughs> issue all, all of them uh, uh, yeah. unsportsmanlike, unsportsmanlike conduct, conduct before the game. to start the game. Like yeah. Oh, Defee we've seen did. that before, yeah. Mike Defee, yeah. You muscle-bound Idiot. jerk. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I don't know what they might do. But to the degree that I'm going to concede there is definitely bias going on, uh, that bias is not going to enter the picture as definitively if we play Texas. So, Does yeah. your remark skip that game like he did this year's OU Texas game <laughs> and just send like the assistant commissioner to give the trophy out at the end of the Big 12 championship if it's OU Texas? It would, be, it would be phenomenally funny, and oh, it would be again. great to see. Um, I don't want to see Texas hoisting that trophy up in celebration, but it would be very nice for whoever wins that game, if it's an OU Texas, to just decline to take the trophy from oh. your mark and say, we don't want it. We're going yeah. to a real league. We want real trophies. You can keep this one. <laughs> well, we got to get there first. We got to yeah. do some things and take care of business. It'd be nice to get some players healthy. Let's talk about something before we close, and, and that is what we didn't see tonight, and that was Jackson Arnold. I think it's pretty clear Jackson Arnold is being held now for his red shirt. Um, which means we won't see him again, barring injury to Dylan Gabriel. How do you guys feel about that? Because I'm not very thrilled about that decision, if that's what they're doing. It seems kind of useless in this day and age with players, and especially with someone of his caliber. Um, The chance of him being here for four years is slim to none if he's as good as he seems to be or as good as everyone thinks he'll become. And and if he's not, someone else better yeah, than him probably right. is taking the job. He won't be job. there anyways. So it seems it really seems invaluable to get a player. He could have had he could have what, the whole from twelve quarter. minutes on right, for the series. fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And it's just it's valuable experience to not just hand the ball off in a game situation too. He could have been throwing the football down the field, <laughs> reading defenses, and just the to whole get nine. snaps. Just to get snaps under the lights. Feeling it in a real game situation. He hasn't played in a night game yet, right? Nope. Mm-mm. So all of that matters. If all this of game helpful. would have been, if the UCF game had gone like this, then they play him. And then he probably, then he plays again today, and it, they would have burned his red shirt. But with only two games left. It, now. Now, obviously after tonight, I think that they made the decision that, it's just not worth it. And remember, he did come out onto the field to play, yep. and then they there's a timeout or whatever against UCF, and they pull him back. Yep. Um, so I don't think that was an accident that he came out. So they seem to in, intend to. Three games ago, they, they were willing to have him, willing, willing to have him out there. Yep. Yeah. So that's it's all confusing to me. I, I agree. I, I just don't see the the value in keeping that option alive because it's an option you're never going to use and the cost of that option is experience valuable valuable experience um that we know he's going to need as he faces a pretty daunting test next year in the sec 
but maybe it'll play off play out well for him. I don't know. Uh, Jay, you made a comment. I don't know if we want to talk much about it, but you said we need to up our light game. Uh, oh yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, our uh, start of the fourth quarter, you know, little light show that we do. It's actually pretty. It's pretty mundane compared to what we're gonna see firsthand next year. I think the SEC is definitely way ahead of us in the laser light show. Um, <laughs> there were no lasers tonight. There, well, there were some weird. There was weird ground strobing lasers, thing. I maybe? don't think. I don't. Sure. I think there were lights. I think those were light bulbs that were going up and down. I don't think those were. But were. we have an app, right? <laughs> you have an app on our phone that. And I couldn't makes get mine to sync. Flashlight. Blank. I did it last year, but it hasn't worked for me this year. And that was a tie-in to the Oklahoma Lottery. Connor if was you did that, you could win five grand. Manually no, that blinking that was his light okay. with his hand. Yeah, he was able. He was <laughs> able to strobe his light yeah. with his hand. It was cool seeing Creed, um, Blake yeah. Bell, and James Winchester show up on their Chiefs bye week. That was cool. They look like badasses. If I was too. them, I would have rather been in Argentina with Travis Kelsey <laughs> watching a Taylor Swift show than coming to the OU game. But that's just me. <laughs> well, we all got priorities, I guess. So, no, I, I, I'd like to see us up our game there. Now, again, it was a West Virginia game that was a little subdued. I, I don't know. It was super chippy. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems to me, ever since West Virginia's joined this league, we've had a bunch of chippiness. They're for, punks, man. And I don't know why. Um, we had the Tavon Austin crazy game. Um, but other than that, oh, well, they beat us last year. But we've dominated but we've, other than Yeah, that. we've dom- uh, Well, except for the Fiesta Bowl game where – before yeah, they were in the in Big East. 2008, yeah. yeah. Um, but it seems like ever since they joined the Big 12, when it comes to us, they've just got this crazy chip on their shoulder, and they're really they're kind of dirty. They are dirty. Honestly. They are. And, and this is a group of people that, I don't know, where they light their couches on fire when they when they win. I don't, they just, just, just strange. <laughs> Connor's comment tonight about them being hillbillies was pretty funny. Um, it, it has been chippy, and... They've been they they sort of fit the the little I don't know the the punk demeanor of a team that's sort of out of their league for when they were in the Big Twelve when the Big Twelve was a real league. Um, now they're kind of fitting for the Big Twelve. You know they had made a jump to get into out of the Big East to get into the 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 Big Twelve and um, now the Big Twelve is it's funny they don't bring it down to, to the Big East level. Yeah. yeah, they're kind of a group of five team. Uh, uh, team so or, or league so i don't know uh how did you feel about the unity uniforms at night not a fan at night not a fan in the daytime not a fan of, i can't read the numbers um it's so hard to read the numbers uh, it's, they suck it's ridiculous you, you would have thought going on after on last uniforms. year's game and even the announcers were having problems the the reporters in the press box were mm-hmm. talking about it in the post game and yet they just brought the same exact exact jerseys back. Yeah. And instead of could have made a little bit of an alteration there. Yeah, instead of changing the numbers to white where you could actually read them. Yeah. It it makes no sense. No, they're they're reflective. I don't consider them uniforms. I consider them costumes. They just look silly. Um I don't get it. I I I'm a traditionalist. I don't think you mess with great uniforms. If you you're a traditional team, you don't need to do that kind of stuff. But if you're going to do it, do a good job with it. Make yeah. it legible. Make it where you can clearly see things. Or do the throwback. Or do the throwback. You know, that's that's going to be me. I'm going to say either always use the same uniforms or do a true throwback. And I don't care if you throw back to something from 
an era we want to forget, like the 90s or something. Just don't go to this stuff that if I'm watching this game, I'm confused about what team I'm looking at. It, I don't like it. Um, I don't. I don't know. It, it to me, it's it's you're messing with the brand, and you got to be careful when you mess with the brand. You can only do so much, and you can start to get into a situation where you are diminishing your brand without really thinking it through. Um, and I, I just don't think it's a good idea. You guys may no have different I hate opinions. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> We shouldn't wear we should, it just, just like we shouldn't wear the bring. We should we should have brought the wood no. out to the fire to and the burned fire it up. Burn <laughs> yep, exactly. It's garbage. Well, I'd like to see us up our light show, but those are really minor details. Great victory tonight. Um, very strong performance. I was very very pleased down the stretch putting a team away. Something that we have not seen us do. We put a team away tonight, guys. Uh, that was a big step forward. We'll see if we can keep it rolling going into a big game in Provo. Um, and then, obviously, the, the, the big Black Friday game at uh, 11 a.m. That's going to be a real thrilling capper for the Big 12 regular season for the Sooners. Um, we've got a lot to play for. Anything else, parting comments, parting thoughts? Well, we'll be here with the midweek. We'll be talking about the upcoming game against BYU. I um, want to thank Tobacco Exchange. Come out to the event, uh, Liga Pravada event in the Edmond location this coming Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to buy cigars and get some big-time bonuses. I think if we buy a box, we get a free five sticks or something and some other things. I don't know what it was. It was pretty awesome deals all around. They're going to have some contests going and things, some raffles. Raffles sounded like a, a lot of fun. So come out, say hi. Um, until then, guys, Boomer, Sooner. Sooner.